Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. On today's episode, we're talking about a niche that sells. If you've been trying to niche out your business and you've been wondering, what's the best way to do that? How do I create an effective niche that drives revenue for my business? All that and more on today's episode. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Hey, thank you for checking out the podcast today. I hope your week's going well. I hope your business is doing well. And if it's not doing well, hopefully we're going to give you some practical, tangible things that you can take away from this conversation and actually grow your business. That's the heart and soul of the podcast. And of course, if you've been listening long term, I so appreciate you sticking with me on this entrepreneurial journey. So got some exciting stuff coming down the pike for good advice. Uh, We just sold our hopefully first of many advertising packages on the podcast. Uh, The podcast has been around for almost five years, uh, almost 300 episodes, and we've only really beta tested uh, advertising on the podcast only a couple of times. We've had a couple of people who've come along who've been like, hey, can I buy an ad slot? I've been like, sure. <laughs> you know, I hadn't really thought much about it. And uh, after sitting down with one of our previous guests, who is a local startup founder, he was like, man, you really should be jumping on the advertising game and seeing how you can monetize this podcast. I mean, we're coming up on 300 episodes. We are listened to in over 50 different countries. It's really astounding. And it's, you know, if nothing else, it's a labor of love where I continue to just hit that record button and push out hopefully helpful content for you. So You'll probably start seeing some advertising on the podcast, nothing annoying or obnoxious or over the top, but definitely we have just created something that people see as valuable. So it's really exciting. Other than that, we also hired our first person, first employee for the business. Um, Somebody's going to handle some social media stuff for us, which we're really excited about. Um, And having said all that, let's dig into today's good advice. So today's topic is, it comes out of a conversation that I had with someone uh, on Tuesday. Tuesday mornings, I run this local entrepreneurs group uh, with the intention of people who are trying to grow their business. Well, let me back up a little bit. For me, when I started my business, I had no idea what the heck I was doing. I mean, I was so lost five years ago just trying to figure this thing out. Well, there weren't a lot of opportunities for me to go and learn what to do next. So I started the NWA growth group on Tuesday mornings with the intention that other people who were were in the same shoes that I was in 
would be able to drop in and not just ask questions and get help, but if they're a seasoned business owner, they could even share their own insights. I kind of just thought like the power of collaboration and really lifting businesses in our local area. Well, I was talking to someone at this event on Tuesday morning and somehow we got on the topic of niche and choosing your niche. And he was like, man, it's, it's honestly kind of difficult to choose a niche. It's kind of hard. It's, I mean, I know I need to, and yet choosing it feels so difficult. And my response to him was, yeah, I have totally felt the same way. I've walked that road. I've had a tough time in the past narrowing down my niche as well. And it got us into this conversation of like, okay, what is it about niching out that that is so difficult? So I want to talk today, you know, for you and your business, if you're in a point where you're thinking about, okay, what's next for my business? Like, how do I grow the sales, the sales element of my business? Like, how do I grow that pipeline? You know, maybe you're somebody who the next sale is always like the, it's the, the eternal race. Like you're always trying to get that next sale. It's the rat race and it feels tiring and exhausting. And I'm not just talking about people who like, you know, for some people sales just is not their deal. And so like selling anything in general is very exhausting, very challenging, But for those who sales like is your deal, like you feel comfortable talking about your business, if you're still in the position of chasing that next sale, like you're not sure where, what next month's revenue is going to look like, you're not sure who your customers might be. Like for me personally, I know how much money I've brought in this month. I know I have a pretty good idea of how much money I'm going to bring in next month. And I have a generally good idea of the money I'm going to bring in two months from now. Now, naturally, as your business grows, as it develops, you know, you'll get to the point of forecasting where you're actually, you know, you have more rigid isn't the right word, but you have like a more deliberate process of being able to see a quarter out and have an idea of like what revenue might be like. An example of this might be like um, if your product is semi-seasonal. I say semi-seasonal in the sense of like it's not explicitly seasonal, but there is a there's a time of year that you typically do better. Like it, for whatever reason, it lifts your product or service. Um, one example of this might be um, uh, this is not a great example, but like if you're a pool cleaner, you know naturally there's a season where the pool is opening up. It's probably a hot season for you. And there's probably also parts of the year that the pool isn't open, but that you might still be doing some business, maybe some maintenance. Maybe you are, you know, you still have customers who are having doing like some just basic routine maintenance throughout the year, but your hot season is like that early summertime. So there will be people who do, you know, general forecasting. They have a general idea of their business. But for you, if you're listening and you're thinking, geez, I don't really, man, I don't really know what mo- what next month's business revenue is going to look like. I don't really know six months from now. I, I just hope I've made a sale by then. If you're pushing and clawing, trying to make any amount of money, you might want to think about niching out your business a bit and getting hyper-focused, hyper-specific on exactly who your customer is 
and why they would buy from you. Now, there's, there's, I want to break this down a bit. There's like a, there's some general concepts here that are really valuable for you and your business. And then there's like some very practical, like specific things to be mindful of as you think about this conversation. So I want to talk like high level first, um, just getting everyone on the same page. When we talk about niche, we're talking about a very specific market, demographic, industry, um, life cycle, uh, if it's like a business you're selling to, the life cycle of the business. Uh, and you you can write that down on paper. You can articulate it. Like if someone was to say, Blake, who's your niche? You should be able to, to say it back to them to answer that question with utmost specificity. If you cannot do that, it, it doesn't mean your business is in danger. It doesn't mean that you're in trouble. What it does mean is that you don't fully understand who your customer is and how you best serve them. The reason I say your business isn't necessarily in trouble is like the is, is because when you fully understand the process of niching out, you understand that it's it's less about like you put all the different options like on a cork board and you close your eyes and throw a dart and whatever it hits, that's your niche. Niching out isn't like a random thing. It's not like a flavor of the month thing. Hey, today I want to serve this kind of person. Next week it might be different. That's not how it works when you niche yourself out. And if that's what you've done and you haven't put much thought into it beyond just, yeah, that seems good you're not really getting the benefit of a strong niche. Like, like the benefit of a strong niche is that it enables you to be incredibly strategic with your content, with your time, with events that you're going to, um, with, with people that you're getting on the phone and ideally trying to sell to. Like it informs you as to if you are getting the right ROI on the amount of effort that you're squeezing into your business. So if you haven't done that yet, it doesn't mean that you know, you're necessarily wasting your time, but you might not be getting the most out of your time. So like a great example would be, I talked to someone who was posting in all these different business groups, was posting across all these different things, was connecting with all these different business owners, and I said, okay, um, let me, let's, let's talk niche. Like, who are you ultimately trying to sell towards? And he said, I, I'm selling to WordPress developers. So not website owners, not a business owner who would own a WordPress site, the very literal WordPress developer. So probably a, um, a website builder, someone who builds websites out of WordPress would be a potential customer. And then maybe even someone who like creates and designs the plugins that go into a WordPress website. Well, so I asked back, I said, so of all the, the, you know, the groups you're posting in, the people you're talking to, how many of those are your niche? How many of those are WordPress developers? And he said, Blake, uh, pretty much none. <laughs> See, when we don't fully understand niche, we spend a lot of time on things that feel important. They feel like they move the needle for our business, 
But at the end of the day, they really don't make much of a difference. They don't really build traction for your business. A lot of times as an entrepreneur, as a, like I think about me, for example, when I first started out, I had no customers. I had no meetings. I had nothing happening. So even the smallest smidgen of something to fill my day gave me this false sense of progress for my business. Like it gave me this false sense of I, I'm, I'm making things happen. I'm doing it. I'm making, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm growing my business when really what I was doing was I was filling the blank space in my schedule with busy work, with things that felt like they were good for my business and yet they weren't bringing in any money for my business. So the, the purpose of being mindful, of being cognizant of your niche is that it then informs how you spend your day, the meetings you do chose to go, to go to, the groups you post in, the people you talk to, the people you connect with. Like if, if, if you're not mindful of this, if you're not thinking about this, then you will waste your time. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about being like overly, um, like particular with your time. I am talking though, if you have any hope of scaling your business, at some point you will have to become vicious about how you spend your time. And I, and I, I don't mean that in an awkward or a weird way, but it's like, if someone asks to meet with me, if someone says, Blake, can we get a cup of coffee? Blake, can we get lunch? Well, now more than ever, I have to be incredibly particular on that time. Like if someone asks me to coffee, if someone asks me to um, get together, I have to genuinely evaluate what, what will I get out of this and is this ultimately mutually beneficial to us both? Like a great example and it's in this, by the way, that probably sounds like really awful and like narcissistic and stingy. And I, I don't mean it that way. I mean it in the sense of like, put yourself in my shoes. You're working, you're a business owner, you're working however many hours a week, um, 40, 50, 60 hours a week. In my case, two kids, two toddlers, or a toddler, then a new baby, uh, a wife that I want to spend time with, uh, hobbies outside of business. So I don't personally have the time to spend 80 hours a week on this thing. And more importantly, the biggest bottleneck to my business is me. It's my time. Now, I can't clone myself. So what, then what is my other option? It's to not work harder, but to work smarter. You've probably heard that expression before. That, that's what we're talking about today. Being smarter with your time, being intentional with your time. So I got coffee with a guy a couple of weeks ago. It was 7 a.m. on a Monday morning. We're not going to do any business together whatsoever, but that was a relationship that I was like, okay, it's valuable to me to invest in this relationship, knowing I don't get anything at all back from it. It's not a customer, but it's it's something that I know it's it's a relationship that I want to nurture and develop. Or someone might want to grab lunch, and I know they are a growing business, and so I know this is someone who I have an opportunity to build trust with, to show um, credibility with, to um, help, knowing that if I altruistically give to this person, this person might be willing to give a referral to me, to recommend me, to maybe outright buy from me. 
And then there's people who are brand new entrepreneurs who aren't my niche, who say, hey, can I, can I have some time of yours? Can we sit down and talk? And I might say, yeah, let's, let's do that because I want to give back. But then there's other times that I might say, hey, I'd love to connect. Let's jump on a phone call. Let's jump on a phone call. And that way you could walk me through. We can jump right into it. And that way I can help you as best as possible. Now, what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm intentionally protecting my time because I know if this is a brand new entrepreneur who's coming from Bentonville, I don't have the time uh, to drive. Let's, you know, let's meet halfway. I'm going to drive 20, 30 minutes to meet them. It's going to be 40 minutes to an hour of driving time out of my day. And, you know, the meeting might be an hour to an hour and a half. And so now I've sucked up two to two and a half hours of my day when I should have been a bit more proactive in protecting that time. So not to get like way off topic, this is not about like a time management episode, but knowing your niche will then inform you as to if your time is being well spent or if you're wasting it. That's the value of that. So that's like the high level concept. Let's talk some tangibles here. Let's talk about why is it so difficult sometimes to select a niche. And if you have selected a niche, why does it feel like you haven't built momentum after the fact? So let's start with the first part there. Why is it so difficult to select a niche? One of the reasons why it's so challenging to select a niche is that many business owners operate in a scarcity mindset. And sometimes this is like your upbringing. Maybe you you didn't have a lot of money as a kid. You know, you look at your finances as like um, a spool of yarn that's getting pulled and tugged on and eventually it's going to run out. And so you're constantly mindful of how much of that spool has just been pulled out and tugged out. Uh, Maybe you've just had, you've had some challenges in life, some bad experiences that have created cynicism in your mind. But point being, you can't accurately maximize the usefulness of having a niche if you don't have an abundance mindset. And I'm not talking about like the weird, like there's some weird stuff out there. Like I, and I know this because I've had people on my podcast too. Uh, I've had amazing guests on the podcast, but I've had a couple of weirdos too. (laughs) I'm going to get so much trouble for saying that, but I've had a couple people come on the podcast where I'm like, okay, I don't ascribe to that at all. (laughs) So I'm not talking about like manifestation. I'm not talking about if you believe, you know, if you believe it, it will happen. Like, like, let's be really clear. I, I'm not like talking about willing your way into success. Uh, although there are some days you have to do that. You have to know that no one's coming to save your business. No one's coming to um, lift it up and promote it. I mean, hopefully that does happen. Like you've built enough goodwill that someone will do that. But for the most part, it, it's not happening. It's not going to happen. It's on you to make that happen. And so if you frame yourself with the mentality of there is so, there's no shortage of good business that I can do, there's no shortage of opportunities for me to take advantage of, it will be so much easier to ease into the idea of niching out your business because it no longer is seen as something constricting for your business but rather something that empowers your business. So typically in the past, when I've had this conversation with my customers, where I've been like, hey, what's what's your niche? Like, what does that look like? 
one of the most common answers I get, I get two, I, do, I get two common answers. One is, well, we, we don't want to niche out because there's too much opportunity out there. There's too much opportunity. And if we niche, if we go after this one area, then we're saying no to all this other area. And that would ultimately screw over our business. We would be ruining our business by not taking advantage of all the opportunities that are out there. And I understand that. I, re- I, I empathize with that because sometimes these other opportunities can be really lucrative. So I hear that sometimes. The other thing I hear when I ask, what's your niche, is I hear um, someone says back to me a niche that is not a niche. For example, men and women. Yeah, my niche is men and women. Okay, not a niche. That There are 7 billion people on the planet. Uh, men and women does not adequately cover your intentional strategy for getting more business. Doesn't work that way. So uh, other fun ones that I've heard, um, I've heard men and women who use the internet uh, I've, I've made this mistake early on in my business. You know, who's your, who's your customer, small business owners. Okay. There are tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of small business owners. In fact, I think the way that, um, the SBA defines a small business owner, it's anywhere from like the solo entrepreneur to like a million plus business, you know, 30, 40, 50 employees. Actually, I actually have no idea. I think actually, whenever I was looking at, um, what was the um, the forgivable loan they gave um, uh, for people, the payroll, PPP loans? I think actually you could get it up to like 500 employees or something. And this is supposed to be for small businesses. And so all that to say, what I sometimes hear is people who in their mind, it's so crystal clear, they can see their customer, but when they actually talk about it, it is so ambiguous and vague. And more importantly, the painful part of this is that your perfect customer, when they hear you talking about them, they don't know you're talking to them because it's so expansive that they think, oh, it's just a generic, you know, you know, maybe you're pitching at an event, maybe you're posting on social media, they're scrolling through, they see the message, it's generic, and it's, it's ultimately, it's not for me. And so they pass by and here you are wondering, why have I not gotten the sales that I want to get? We'll talk more about this, by the way, in a second on getting hyper-focused and hyper-specific. Uh, I think that's kind of the implicit point there. But going back to the original point, the, for the former point that I made about people who are operating in a scarcity mindset, I think, I think the painfulness here is I had a great mentor, a great business mentor who coached me and told me, Blake, your customers will ultimately know you by what you do for them. And I remember at a business I worked at, we were like a leadership consulting company. So we did like leadership management training, stuff like that, uh, executive coaching, one-on-one, team events, yada, yada. Well, we had a customer who asked us to do some video production work for them. They were doing like a leadership class and they wanted us to to pre-record and produce some some film uh, produced content for them. Um, Sorry, something is like buzzing all of a sudden. And so trying to see what that was. Uh, So they wanted us to produce some film content for them. Well, at the end of the project, when we had finished it, 
I was talking to the guy who was like the decision maker for this project. And I was, I was trying to work up my sales game a little bit. And so I was trying to be like, yeah, like, let's what, like, what else do you guys need? Like, what else can we be helpful for? Cause it was a major company. It was a large company. And he was like, well, I mean, we already have, um, we got a great amount of, uh, film work for you guys. So we, we really don't need, we really don't need much else. And so I hear this and I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm not just talking about like film work. I'm also talking about like leadership management training, uh, the stuff that's like our bread and butter. And I'll never forget. He looked at me with total shock and he said, Oh, you guys do that stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah, of course we do that stuff. That is who we are. But the insight there was what they, what he knew me as was the film guy. He knew my team as like the video production team. So even when you feel like you're qualified in a multitude of areas, your customers ultimately only know you by what you do for them. And more importantly, if you want a brand that people instantly recognize as like instantly recognize it for like the power of the impact of what you do, there has to be some specificity there. There has to be some intentionality there that helps fuel the business and direct the business beyond, you know, I just want to get, I want to be all things to all people. You know, that was my pain point early on in my business. Uh, hang on. I got a crying child. Wow. Okay. Anyway. Um, so, you know, it can be really tempting to, you know, try to be all things to all people, but it's crucial that you specify that you drill down and you say, Hey, this is exactly who I'm serving. So don't, don't see it through, through a scarcity lens. There will be enough business with a niche that you choose. And if there's not, why would you choose it? Right? Like, why would you choose something hyper-specific if there wasn't enough potential there to fuel the revenue of your business? So uh, the other thing to think about with this conversation is if, you're, if you've been wondering about this, if you've been wondering what is my niche, you, I, I joked about this earlier, you don't have to like envision throwing a dart blindfolded at a corkboard and hoping like whichever, you know, topic or service or industry is something that you like. What you can do is, you know, the whole business process is very much transformational. It's very much something that evolves over time. And this might be something that's really comforting for you if you are a newer business owner, is what you start, like how your business starts in terms of how it operates, what you sell, what the business looks like from a branding perspective, it is okay for that to be totally different three years later. And the reason I say that, and I, I don't necessarily mean like totally different in the sense of like, you know, you were a food truck selling hot dogs and now you're a digital marketing company. Uh, those are two separate businesses. You went out of business, you launched a new business. But what I will say, I remember there was a guy I had on the podcast who he sold, I think what they sold originally was like, some kind of program for like making meetings more efficient. And one of the like add on side products of that 
was like this digital notebook thing that like auto organized meeting notes or something. Well, after a couple of years, that is what took off. Like that exploded. And now all of a sudden they went all in on this, this digital notebook product rather than trying to be like the meeting organizer person. My point there is that when you get into the business, when you get into selling the habit of selling, it's not uncommon for your niche to rise up out of the momentum of the sales that you're making. You know, you work a little bit with one customer and you realize, man, this really wasn't very profitable for me. It was a lot of work. It was really frustrating. And I don't know if I even did a good job and it really didn't bring me much money. Then you have this other customer who you, you told them how much it would be. They said, great, send me the invoice. They paid you immediately. It was a very lucrative customer. And although the work may be tangentially related, that is the customer that actually you found yourself thinking, wow, if I could get five more of these, if I could get 10 more of these, it would totally transform my life. Like I've had those customers. I've had the customers where I've been like, oh my gosh, if like that was one customer, if I got three or four more customers just like that one, like I would, I would be set. That would be like an annual salary. I'd be good. So, you know, when it comes to niching out, sometimes you look at your customers and you say, yep, that's the one that I want to do more work with. And now that I've done business with them, I understand better the problem they're having. I understand better how I solve it. I understand better what how to describe the pain they're experiencing. Like some of the stuff, it's it's less about chicken or the egg. Like, do you, you know, did you get the niche before you found the customers? And it's more about you're you're working up your sales acumen, you're familiarizing yourself with the people you're serving, and out of that you begin to identify a niche. That's why it's also so important on the journey of entrepreneurship to really buckle up and appreciate the process, appreciate the 10-year game that I've talked about instead of being addicted to like the overnight 30-day success story. A lot of the stuff happens through the process of entrepreneurial innovation. It happens as you do business, as you work with people, and it helps inform you as to what your niche really is. So all that to say, if you're still trying to figure out your niche, you're not sure about it, you can totally email me, Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. I'd be more than willing to share some insights with you, especially if you're like, you're, you, you've maybe you've made that first sale or there may be the first set of sales and you're ready to kind of see like where this goes, like I can definitely point you in the right direction for how you can get a bit more strategic with your time uh, and ultimately the people that you're serving. All that to say, I think that wraps it up for today's episode. I, of course, appreciate you listening to the Good Advice Podcast. I appreciate you supporting the Good Advice Podcast. As I mentioned, we are beginning to offer some advertising on the podcast. If you'd want your personal stage to talk about how amazing your business is and for people to hear about it, you should definitely contact me at Blake at GoodAdviceCoaching.com. Or if you just enjoy the podcast, you want to support the podcast, you got to check out our Patreon. It's at Patreon.com slash GoodAdvice, where you can support the podcast for as little as uh, as the price of a cup of coffee. Uh, Having said that, that's all I got today, and that's today's good advice. Have a great week.